Okay, so we are starting a new series tonight called The Good Life. And uh, we were going to do a series on First and Second Kings called Grace is Greater. We're actually going to save that probably for the spring or perhaps next fall. Since we're doing a shortened series, I just couldn't fit those, those massive books of the Bible into a seven-week series. And I thought that even, even in addition to that, you know, a lot of us are, are laboring for the good life, aren't we? We want to have, we want to know that at the end of, the, of our lives, we lived a good life. However that may look, whatever that may mean for you, I think that all of you would say that you want to be happy, right? You want to have a good life. You want to live the blessed life, as, 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 as it says in the Beatitudes. When Jesus does his Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew recorded in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, it's all about the good life. So we're going to take these next seven weeks and we're going to study together in this large group, but also in your small groups, the Sermon on the Mount. And looking at this question of what is the good life? What does it mean to live the good life? Because just as though Jesus, uh, when he taught this, uh, you know, uh, 2,000 years ago, it was not what people expected. And just as uh, we reteach it uh, in today's culture, in your lives, in your day and age, I guarantee you the good life that Jesus has for you and invites you to live may be very different than what you expect the good life to be. So I'm really excited to walk with you and answer the question, what is the good life? And tonight we're going to look at basically kind of a summary uh, called, uh, called what is, looking at the question of what is a blessed life? In the Beatitudes, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, it's all these, it's these eight blessings. And it isn't like an equation for if you do these eight things, therefore you will live the blessed life. It's saying those who are, who have come to Jesus embody a particular type of character. And as they walk with Jesus in this world, they live and have particular traits. And as they do that, God's favor rests upon them. So to live the blessed life means literally that God's favor is upon you. It means that you have lived the happy life, the blessed life, the good life. So we're going to look at, the, like I said, the Beatitudes, Matthew 1 through 12, and to answer this question, what is the good life? So I'm going to read it to you, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll dive in. So let's look at verse 1 together. Seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of, kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time to be together to look at your word to look at this opening of your sermon that you gave 2,000 years ago that is just as relevant for us today as it was back then. Help us to know the blessed life and live the blessed life in your name. Amen. So I'm going to assume something that's true, but it may not be. But I'm just going to go ahead and assume 
that 2020 hasn't been the year that you expected. Is that safe to assume? I mean, if you think about all like the major headlines in 2020, there were murderous hornets that came over from Asia. I, I, don't, I still don't know what that means. And are, are there still murderous hornets out there somewhere murder, murdering things? I, I, I don't know. I just know that at one point in time, there were mur- murderous hornets in America that came over from Asia that were like destroying whole bee colonies. I don't know if they actually killed people, but that's, that's pretty fear-invoking if you think about it, that there are mur- murderous hornets. Um, you know, if, if you think about, I don't know if any of you even remember this or even heard this, but there were brush fires in Australia at the beginning of the year that, that burned or recorded in the history of man when they started keeping records. It burned the most acreage at one time. 47 million acres in Australia were burned to nothing by these brush fires. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy if you think about it. 47, I mean, how big is 47 million acres? Who knows? President Trump was impeached while in office. That's something I actually kind of forgot about. But he was the only, he was the third president in the history of the United States to have files, uh, uh, articles of impeachment filed against him. That's a big deal. This thing called COVID hit, right? Um, I don't know, like, I, I just Googled, like, COVID data. I know that there's, like, so much, like, what is COVID and, like, how many people has it affected? So I'm just going to say, according to Google, uh, according to Google, uh, there have been 36 million confirmed cases worldwide and over 1 million deaths. Like, like a global pandemic happened. I'm sure you all remember that. That happened in March. That's still going on. Uh, the stock market took, it's, it suffered its worst single day in stock market history uh, in 2020. Uh, the, the killings of George Floyd, Ahmed Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, Breonna Taylor sparked the Black Lives Matter protest that actually, for the first time in American history, there was a state in every, um, there was a protest in every state. Like, that's pretty significant, right? So, a lot's happened in 2020. 2020 probably has been a little different than you expected, and it perhaps may have been a little bit more disorienting than you expected, whether that's looking at the culture at large and these big events that have happened, or if you just think about your own personal lives and things that you expected that were going to happen that didn't happen, or ways of living, or vacations, or I don't know, whatever it may be. the things that you expected that never came to be. Like I said, 2020 has not been a good year. So when we talk about the good life, what do we do with 2020? And really, if you really were to think about it, I didn't do this, but if you were to go back and, and, and Google like 2019 tragic events, 2019 probably had a lot of tragedy in it too. And if you were to look back to 2018, there is probably still a lot of good that didn't happen in 18, in 2017 and 16. If you really were to think about it, in the history of man, there's been a lot of conflict. There's been a lot of things that have happened every year that have caused suffering, that have caused disorientation, that aren't good. So when Jesus talking about the good life, what in the world is he talking about? Because this, the world that we see and the world that we're in and the events that surround us, whether that's personally or just looking at the culture at large, things don't seem very good. So you have either one of two options. Either you can assume that things are going to get better and you wait. But if you look at history, like I said, things don't get better. They actually continue. It's kind of cyclical. Like there's like, there's better than worse, then better than worse, then better than worse. And it's kind of been the, the, the history of man. You can ignore that problems 
don't exist and try to get through life by acting like everything's okay. I don't know. I don't know how you respond when life isn't good. But like I was saying, the Sermon on the Mount teaches us that the good life is not in the acquiring of particular circumstances, right? If I have this boyfriend, then I will have the good life. If I have this girlfriend, I will have the good life. If my team wins this game, I will have the good life. Or whatever it may be that you assume would be the good life. It's not the acquiring of circumstances or the the removal of circumstances. The life will be better when COVID ceases to exist and there's, um, what are those things, the shots that you get? Help me out here, help me out. Give me a line, line. Vaccines, right? When you get the vaccine, thanks. Uh, Thank you, Luke and others. Right? If we wait, things are never going to get better. So, So when Jesus talks about the good life, he's actually not talking about particular circumstances. He's actually talking about particular character. Character, who we are, character that we have, that we embody, that comes from him, that we embody in whatever circumstances life throws at us. That's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the blessed life or the good life. He's not talking about to have all these things or to not have these things that cause harm and suffering in your life. He's talking about whatever you do and whatever you faith is to embody a certain type of being, a certain type of faith in whatever you see. So what is the blessed life? Verses 1 through 6 give us this idea of, of the root of the blessed life. Like, what, it, what, is, what does it mean to, to, to be blessed? What are the things that have to happen? And then verses 7 through t- tw- uh, to 12 are, are what are the fruit of the blessed life. So what does it look like if you, to live a blessed life? How does it impact yourself and other people around you? In, in the Sermon Mount of the Mount on, on the, as a whole, and, and specifically the Beatitudes as a part of that whole, like I said, it's not an eight-step approach to a blessed life. Like you would read some type of like help, self-help book, like, you know, five ways to get rich or six ways to make this person like you, right? That's not what this is about. They're not eight steps to a blessed life. Like I said, rather, it's Jesus summarizing the character of one who, in, who has by faith accepted Jesus and is now attempting to walk with him. The Beatitudes are not a list of doing, but rather a list of being. They are not if-then statements. If I do this, then I will be blessed. Rather, I am blessed by God's unmerited favor that rests upon me. So therefore, as a blessed person, I live in this particular way. Basically, the Sermon on the Mount, and specifically the Beatitudes, aren't things that we must do to become a Christian, but it's the character that we live out as Christians. And what's really cool, in verses 1 and 2, it says this. It says, Seeing the crowds, he, Jesus, went up to the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And then it says, After this, he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. Then we'll get into that. But basically, and what's happening in Matthew up to this point is that Jesus has begun his public ministry. He has called his disciples to his presence, right? The 12 disciples. He has called them into his presence. He has, he has invited and given, they've given themselves to him. And then also, too, he has gone all throughout the land healing. So he has, he has called people to himself. He is demonstrating healing. He is proclaiming that the kingdom is at hand. And he is telling God's people to repent and believe. And then now he is going to call these people and he's going to instruct them on the kingdom. Now that you have, I have called you to myself and healed you, here is now instruction on how you are to live as a healed person. And it's really interesting because if you're one of Jesus' disciples, 
you would assume that, that the Messiah, Jesus, would be coming to do what? Not to go to a cross and die for your sins, but actually function more like a Moses figure who would rescue you from Roman oppression and Roman opposition and, and establish the Israel state, the Jewish state, once again. And you would, um, in the land, like he did with Joshua and the 12 tribes, if you're familiar with the Old Testament. So when, you, when, when the disciples met Jesus, they had this un, uncorrect understanding of who the Messiah was and that they would free them from Roman opposition. And just as, if you remember the story of Joshua, when Joshua went into the land and he, and he, and he pushed out God's enemies and made a place for God's people, he reallocated God's land to the 12 tribes. So it is safe to assume that the disciples probably thought that this messianic figure was going to cast out the Roman officials and cast out the Roman state and that they would, he would give them power in the land just like he gave the 12 tribes power. Does that make sense? So when, he, when, when, when Jesus calls his disciples to himself and he begins to teach them and he says, blessed are the poor, that is completely different than what they were going to expect because they thought that blessed would be the what? The powerful. The, the, the Messiah has come, this new Moses figure, right? The prophet of God has returned and he's going to rescue his people. And then they say, blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek, those who hunger and satisfy. It's very, very different than what they would expect. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are spiritually bankrupt, who recognize their own poverty to come up with the righteousness themselves to stand before God. Blessed are those who mourn, who look at the world around them and see that things aren't as they should be and that they look at their own heart and their own life and they say, I am not as I should be. There has got to be more to me. There's got to be more to this life. Blessed are those who poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. And I don't know what you, meek isn't a word that we use very often, but basically blessed are those who submit to God's will and not their own, who recognize that I can't do anything. I, I, everything that I touch crumbles. I am spiritually bankrupt. I'm grieving over my own sin and the decisions that I've made that have hurt people and that have hurt myself. Therefore, I now say, not my will, but God's will be done. That's the meek. It's an order of what it means to be saved. We recognize that we are poor and we recognize that God saves us. We grieve over our sin and our inability to save ourselves. And we say, God, not my will, but your will be done. And then it says, blessed are for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And the beautiful thing about the flow of these first four things in the root of those who believe, the root of the Christian, is that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they, they because of their own spiritual poverty, they now have a, a, a longing for God, the righteous one relational longing to be with God. They hunger for it. They thirst for it. And because God is gracious, he gives it to us. This is the blessed life. It's very different than what we expect. You know, I, I, don't, I don't recommend doing this because Instagram's got some, some weird stuff on there if you just like start searching for things. But I went ahead and did this uh, and, I, and, I, and I, I searched hashtag blessed on Instagram. It's like, I wonder what comes up when you do this. And basically, you know, it had over, what, what was the, I mean, 128 million posts came up. Like, that's the search. So, like, people want to live the blessed life. Like, like whatever, whatever assumption that people have of the blessed life is, is, is it's people, it's, it's relevant. 
and, and, and like I said earlier, it's probably something that you long for. You long for the good life, the blessed life. And as I was kind of scrolling through pictures, you know, it, basically the summary of, of what people post, it's like vacation pictures, pictures of their family, uh, engagement photos. And they post pictures of like them by like really expensive cars. Uh, they take, there, there was a lot of like stuff within like the beauty world of like haircuts and nails done and all those types of things, right? The people say hashtag blessed. But what this is communicating is, is assumptions that we have about the blessed life. We believe the blessed life to be a life that is beautiful, right? That people look at us and say we're beautiful. We believe the blessed life to be a life of means and resources. I have a nice car, a car that people envy. We think that the blessed life is a life of family, right? Of, of there's people around me that love me, which are all good things, right? But, 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 but what Jesus does, if he were to come into our world right now and do the Sermon on the Mount, he would, be, he would be piercing the heart of, of us individually and us culturally on what we think the blessed life is. Because he says, not blessed are those who have, you know, who are loved by everybody, or blessed are those who are beautiful, or blessed are those who have resources and means, but the poor, the impoverished, the helpless, those who hunger and thirst, that is the blessed life. It's, it's different than what we know and expect and, and, and my question to you is, do you believe that? Because it's going to affect how you think about your life. Like, do you really think the blessed life is a poor life? Do you really think the blessed life is an, a self-emptying life? Do you really believe that the blessed life is a life that hungers for God? Because if it does, it is going to completely change the way that you approach your life. If you believe that the blessed life is, to, is for people to say you're beautiful... Or the blessed life is to have a particular set of, of resources to have and acquire. Then it's going to affect your pursuits. It's going to affect how you think about your future. It's going to affect how you think about college. It's going to change everything. Do you believe that the empty life is the full life? Because that's what Jesus is confronting you with. Is that a life that is self-emptied. That looks, that recognizes its own spiritual poverty and looks to God. Is the blessed life. And when we do that, we see that the blessed life isn't just a, blessed, a life that is rooted in God, but it bears fruit to the world around it, the fruit of the blessed life. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Right? When we, when we know God's mercy, we are equipped to then give mercy to others. Right? Those who have received mercy will extend mercy. Why? Because we know what it's like to offend somebody. We recognize our own poverty. We recognize how we've offended God. So therefore, when other people offend us, what do we do? We understand because this is our fallen nature. This is our curse. So therefore, we can extend mercy to others because we've experienced the mercy of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? The world is hostile. We need peacemakers, people who stand in the gap between conflict and genuinely love and care for other people. Blessed are the pure in heart. And this doesn't mean like blessed are the perfect ones or the do-gooders. It means blessed are those who have gone through fire and have been purified. Who have been cut and have been pruned by God through their circumstances. And have died to self and are now walking more and more with God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers, and blessed are those who are persecuted. How in the world can Jesus say this? Like, it makes no sense. Like, I don't know what level of persecution you have faced, or even just difficulty, but 
blessed are, are, are the persecuted. If you really seek to live a Christian life, whether it's in your Christian school or in your Christian home or in your non-Christian school or in your, in your neighborhood, you will always be different. And you will always be persecuted. So how, why would we want to live this way? Because it truly is the blessed life. It truly is the good life. Just as the world expressed hostility towards Jesus, it will express hostility, whether really, really small or really, really big, towards people who follow it. But the prize for us is not what we can acquire on this earth, but for what is with us, with God in heaven. Just as Jesus suffered and was persecuted, we should expect at some point in our life, so will we. And verse 12 tells us to do what? Rejoice and be glad because our reward is in heaven. Because there is more than right now. There is more to this life that God is calling us and inviting us to. I, um, I, uh, I love baseball. I always try to throw baseball stuff in here. You know that, right? So um, my son has this baseball tee. And I'm beginning to, to teach him how to hit off a tee. He's not very good at it. Um, he'll, he'll get better, right? He's only four years old. I've got to be patient with the guy. Right? But it's fun because I am able to teach my son how to play baseball because why? I myself know how to play. But what I've realized is that over the years, I've forgotten a lot about how to play baseball. So I've had to relearn some things on how to hold a bat and how to put my elbows and how to step. Right? I had to kind of relearn what I, and remember uh, the fundamentals of how to hit a baseball to teach my son. And I tell you that because... These eight things, these beatitudes, are not something that we graduate and move on from. But as the Christian life, this is something that we continually go back to. And in order to live this way, we have to every day be cultivating a blessed life. A life that is focused, that, that, that is centered in Jesus, that experiences healing from Jesus, and then attempts to walk in the instruction given to us by Jesus that has been equipped us by, that equips us by his spirit to do just that. So, so, so as we move forward, as we seek the blessed life, as we seek the good life in large groups and small groups through these next seven weeks, I encourage you to think hard and think well and to be confronted with Jesus and how he speaks to you personally about what is the blessed life. That just like the disciples who had a, who had a misunderstanding of what the blessed life is, we all have a misunderstanding that Jesus is longing to confront us with and invite us into. To become a person who lives the blessed life, we must seek the blessed life. So as we move forward, how are you personally cultivating poverty, grief, meekness, hunger, mercy, purity, peacemaking, joy, and suffering in your own life? Just think about one. How, how are you experiencing that? How are you finding the good life and being poor? Or are you so consumed by having you can't even think about that Jesus invites us to the good life the blessed life as we looked at from Matthew 5 the root of the blessed life is to be poor to grieve to be meek to submit to somebody else's will because we know that we don't trust ourselves and then what's the fourth one Line, line. 
Those who hunger and thirst, thank you. Where's my line? Luke, I need you, buddy. I'm just kidding. Right? You know, if your response to this is, who can do this? Who can live this way? Then you know what that is? That's poverty. I can't do this. And Jesus says in Matthew 11, after he gives the Sermon on the Mount, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We find the blessed life in Jesus, resting in him. And then as those who rest in him, he gives us his spirit and his life to live the blessed life. Let's pray, and then we'll close out. I'll close out in prayer, and then I'll give you some instruction on small groups. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this great uh, instruction on the blessed life. I do pray for us that we would think deeply about what the blessed life is, and that you would help us to, to, to focus in on something about this, about the blessed life, that you can invite us to live and be rooted more in you, so that we don't think that the good life is rooted in having or, or doing, but it's rooted in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.